everybody's ready to go. First of all, welcome all the families, all the students, uh, PTA members, school board members, community at large. Uh, we love having everybody here to see this event. Thank you for coming. Um, few introductions. I'm Lori Stanziola. I'm the uh, chairperson for reflections uh, for the Shawnee Mission School District. So I'm part of the SMAC PTA, Shawnee Mission Area Council PTA. And um, that's me. Also, um, I want to introduce you to a few people who are helping us out tonight. First of all, Dee Wright. Dee is my, uh, um, the uh, cultural arts vice president for SMAC PTA. And she has been with me every step of the way to make this happen. Um, and she's also responsible for those lovely treats that you're going to see um, at, after the reception. So um, thanks for that. Um, I think Jim Bacham is here somewhere in the audience. Uh, he is the PTA, of SMAC PTA president. Um, also, uh, we have Brad Stratton and uh, Dr. Fulton. Uh, who are uh, from the Board of Education who are going to help us uh, with delivering awards. So we appreciate that. And then, of course, the whole school board is here. So um, you've got a great audience. Um, before I get started with the award ceremony, I would like to give a special thanks to uh, some of the folks who really made this happen. Um, first of all, to SMAC PTA and the Board of Education. Uh, for making both tonight happen and as well as the open house we had uh, late in November. It was a fantastic event um, where all the kids found out um, you know, how their artwork was, um, whether they got prizes and also uh, had everything on display. So that was a really great event and a lot of fun. We had films going, we had um, uh, a, lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, this turned into kind of a movie theater atmosphere in here, so that was great. Um, I also want to call out Ryan Fleury, Tash Davis, and Joni Kelsey from the Center for Academic Achievement. That's this building here. Uh, this is the first time we've been able to have Reflections events in this gorgeous facility, and it has been wonderful. Um, it's also the first time we've been able to create the, um, the exhibit and keep it up. Um, it's, it's been up since the open house in late November, and that's been really wonderful for reflections, but I'll also say it's also been wonderful for all the people who work and visit um, the CAA. Uh, we've heard, uh, Tash Davis has told me numerous times how much everyone has loved having the artwork here, and um, that's been great. So we are really hoping we can keep this partnership going into the future. So thanks to them. And then finally, I need to thank all the local reflections chairs in each of the schools. Literally without them, this program would not happen. And in a lot of schools, it does not happen. So um, all you families and students, make sure, if you haven't already, to express your thanks to those wonderful chairs who do such a great job. And uh, Becky Tate and Joe Herbst, you need to hug yourselves. <laughs> OK. So um, all right, now on to the, the ceremony. Um, the sculptor Henry Moore once said, to be an artist is to believe in life. Each of you artists in the room have shared your belief in life by sharing the heroes in your life, making them come alive for all of us. We have been inspired by your perspective and by your talent, and we are absolutely delighted to honor you tonight. 
So let's start with a movie collage of the work uh, from all the Award of Excellence winners. Thank you. 
so Eric, what hospital did you go to um, for all your surgeries? I went to Children's Mercy. And what were some of your favorite doctors there and nurses? These are some of them. So this one, this one, and this one. What well, do you remember their names? This one was Elizabeth. This one was Sheila, I think. amazing work. Uh, thanks for joining in the canned applause. <laughs> okay, so now we are ready to hand out our medals, so we'll ask Dr. Fulton and to come forward. And we're going to start with dance choreography. So we have uh, Isadora Herbst in the intermediate division. Oh, sorry. did your job, didn't you? Bear with me. Just a lot. Okay. And we have Kyra Wagner from, um, for the middle school division, dance choreography. <laughs> Megan Formwalt at the high school level. And now for film production excellence, we have Hannah Ashatz, who I, oh yes, you're here, great. Caitlin Flum at the middle school level. Superhero Josh Marvin at the high school level. literature at the primary division, Brecklin Harrison. <laughs> Isabel Wisdom for intermediate. Morgan Tate at the middle school division. and Alice Newell for high school. For music composition, Serafina Kessler, intermediate. Hudson O'Neill, middle school. Lake and Gamble, high school. 
Photography in the Primary Division, Luke Woods. Elizabeth Barnes, Intermediate. Gil Franklin, Middle School. Ava B. Chinak, High School. Finally, for Visual Arts, in the primary division, Claire Pogi. Eden Wagner, intermediate. Mariam Sufi, middle school. And River Juliana Hennick for high school. Congratulations, all of you. Um, we're going to have a group picture in a minute, but I also wanted to point out that we have our uh, next year's theme is called Look Within. So start those minds kind of percolating. See what you can do next year. Uh, very exciting. A um, couple other quick announcements. Um, we are going to be taking the showdown after the uh, reception. First of all, there is a reception after this. I'm hoping everyone knew that. But um, and yes, and there's a little photo area too, in addition to the group photo. Yep, yep. We'll also do a group photo. Um, so what I wanted to say is we are going to be taking the exhibit down tonight. So those of you who have something physically in the gallery, which is pretty much everyone but the music folks. Um, it would be great if you would go ahead and take your artwork home with you tonight. The only thing I would ask is that it is all still in the competition, so you need to take really good care of it in case we need it again. But we would love to have it uh, where you can keep it safe. So, all right, so let's line up for a group picture. Good evening. Hello and welcome to our January 14th regular meeting of the Board of Education for the Shawnee Mission School District. Our first item on the agenda 
is the Pledge of Allegiance, and I invite our friends from Brookwood Elementary to come forward and help us out. Well done. Mr. Mr. Frick, we invite you to introduce our guests. You can use that one right there at the podium. Second, they will have you mic'd up. Go okay. ahead. Okay. So thank you so much for letting Brookwood come out tonight. We're excited to be out here, obviously, for the Pledge of Allegiance. Obviously, with the weather this weekend, we're a little worried. And as I told the students, I have no control over snow days. They believe that's me, but I, I told them it's actually Dr. Fulton, so I pass the blame on to you. Uh, but with us, we have representatives from all of our grade levels, actually. Uh, down there at the end, we have Roman Falke from kindergarten. We have Madeline Wilkinson from first grade. We have Gigi Hoffman in second grade. Jackson Senator in third grade. Leah Davis in fourth grade. Addie Burlack in fifth grade. And then Abby Dumont in sixth grade. Great. Welcome, and thank you for helping out with our meeting today. We appreciate it. Great job. And you're more than welcome to stay for the whole meeting if you like. <laughs> I told you you didn't have to, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> if you want to turn around for a picture, I bet there's some parents that want to get a picture of you. Great. Thank you very much. With that, I'll seek a motion to adopt the agenda for this evening. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of the adoption of the agenda, please say aye. Aye. All those opposed? That passes 7-0. Uh, I'll now seek a motion to approve the minutes of our last meeting, which is the December 17th meeting. Thank you, Mrs. That was me. So Thank moved. you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approval of the minutes, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We now turn on to item number two, 2.01, which is a superintendent report. Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you very much. Great to see everybody this evening. We have lots of good news tonight. The Rotary, we're gonna start with this one. The Rotary Club of Shawnee Mission inducted Andre Carnegie as a Paul Harris Fellow. This is the highest award presented by the organization. The honor is given to individuals in the community committed to serving others in a manner above and beyond expectations. Carnegie provides support for principals and counselors across the district as a student success liaison. One example of this support is that he worked directly in partnership with the Rotary Club to provide a student store that provides resources such as food, school supplies, and clothing for job interviews at Shawnee Mission North High School. Congratulations to him. We also uh, received word that Briarwood, Broken Arrow, and Trailwood Elementary Schools were recognized as Apple Distinguished Schools for the years 2018 to 2021. Apple Distinguished Schools are considered to be among the most innovative in the world for the ways they inspire creativity, collaboration, and critical thinking among students. This is the second designation for these three schools. They are joined by Blue Jacket Flint, and Rose Hill Elementary Schools, who were honored as Apple Distinguished Schools for the 2017 to 2019 school years. So congratulations to those schools. 
Also, recently, Johnson County Community College took time to recognize the Shawnee Mission School District for continued partnership and collaboration with the college at a recent Board of Trustees meeting. Dr. Jerry Cook, Board Chair and the Board of Trustees, acknowledged the efforts of JCC and the Shawnee Mission School District to assure student success through innovation and quality instruction. The Shawnee Mission School District was also Excuse me, the uh, Shawnee Mission School District was also recognized at the meeting as an early partner with JCCC and for continuing to be active and offering concurrent enrollment opportunities. And I will pass this around. This is a, a nice little uh, gift that they gave to us in recognition of that partnership. We certainly enjoy our partnership with them. I'll start there. The animation and game design signature program students earned third place honors and $200 worth of virtual, virtual reality equipment for their program at the VR of KC's Hackathon held at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. The students used problem solving and virtual reality development skills to help develop a radio tower repair simulator during the contest. So congratulations to them. The Overland Park Chamber, we've got lots of recognitions by the way, <laughs> both at the collective and individual level. The Overland Park Chamber recognized the six school district superintendents in Johnson County, and I want to add Dr. Southwick into this because he did the bulk of the work, uh, in Johnson County for the launch and work of the Zero Reasons Why campaign. This campaign is a community mobilization and story campaign to help prevent teen suicide and drive productive conversations to affirm there are zero reasons why suicide is an option. Awards were presented to the superintendents of the six participating Johnson County School Districts at the Chamber's annual meeting. So we thank the Chamber for their recognition. Uh, the superintendents who are really just there as a, as a, as a, as a way of uh, representing the districts as a whole. So congratulations to all the school districts. United Community Services of Johnson County presented an Excellence in Community Service Award to Project Housing Opportunities Move Everyone, also known as HOME. Project HOME is a Shawnee Mission School District program that supports students and families who have faced challenges in economic stability. Project HOME brings representatives from various agencies together to meet with families and offer community resources related to housing, finance, utilities, food, and healthcare. The honor was presented at the UCS hosted 51st annual meeting and community award ceremony. It was a wonderful ceremony and we thank them for that recognition. Andrea Miller, a second grade teacher at Santa Fe Elementary was the January recipient of the Read to Achieve Award presented by KCTV5 and the Kansas National Education Association. Miller, who was awarded a $1,000 check as part of the honor, was nominated by a parent who wrote in the nomination that Miller helped her son to learn to love to read. So congratulations to her. I don't know if we had any of the individual uh, folks being recognized that are here. If I read your name previously and you're here, could you stand up so we can see you? I know that some of the folks are here for this next one. This evening... We are pleased to welcome Jennifer Wolliver, principal and staff members from Roseland Elementary. The National Education, no, I'm sorry, the National Association of Elementary and Secondary Education Act, also known as 
ESEA state program administrators announced that Roseland Elementary School has been named a national ESEA distinguished school. Roseland is one of only 100 schools. Think about this. I'm going to repeat it. Roseland is one of only 100 schools in the country and one of two in the state to receive this prestigious honor. This recognition honors qualifying schools for outstanding academic achievement of students. Roseland is being recognized in the programs category that showcases school success in closing the achievement gap between student groups. Congratulations to Rosalind on this outstanding achievement. And if you're here from Rosalind, please stand so we can recognize you. What a great honor, and you get to send representatives to the Title I National Conference, which is usually in uh, very exciting places, as it is this year. Just so happens this year is in Kansas City, right? So <laughs> you get to maybe take more people to the recognition <laughs> ceremony as a result. Well, this is, this is a special month, the month of January, because it's School Board Recognition Month. I want to take a moment to thank you, the school board, for all of your hard work. You know, school board members serve without pay for the love of children. They're here, they pour out their hearts and souls and lots of time to try to make sure that Shawnee Mission is the absolute best place possible for all children to learn. And we want to thank you for that. And uh, while we're going to do a few things at this meeting, we'll do some more things at the next meeting, because remember, it's a month of celebration. <laughs> but we're going to start with a proclamation, which is going to be read to you by David Smith. Whereas the mission of the public schools is to meet the diverse educational needs of all children and to offer a comprehensive curriculum model that's attentive to the changing demands and changing demographics of today's world, and whereas our school board members are committed to children and believe that all children can be successful learners and that the best education is personalized to the individual needs of the child, and whereas our school board members ensure a rigorous and relevant education for students in pre-kindergarten through grade 12 so students are highly prepared for college and or career, and whereas our school board members work with other community members and build collaborative relationships to create the educational environment we want for our students, and whereas our school board members set policies and procedures to govern all aspects of the school district operation and are accountable to the community for operating schools that support student achievement, and whereas our school board members are strong advocates for public education, and whereas serving on a school board requires an unselfish devotion of their time and service to carry on the mission and business of the school district. Now, therefore, I, Dr. Mike Fulton, superintendent of the Shawnee Mission School District, do hereby proclaim January 2019 as school board recognition month and urge all students, parents, and staff to join in recognizing the dedication and hard work of our school board members,
and to continue working with them to mold an education system that meets the needs of our children both today and in the future. Patty Mack, Mary Sinclair, Sarah Goodburn, Heather Ousley, Brad Stratton, Laura Guy, Deb Zila, thank you all very much for your service. Okay, thank you. Well, thank words can't begin to express all that we, uh, all that we uh, feel and our appreciation for you and the work that you do. Every decision that you make impacts children. And uh, you work so wonderfully together as a team. Thank you for taking care of all the kids of Shawnee Mission. Great job. Okay. We still have more celebration to go. Um, well, we're very fortunate to have lots of community partnerships. And we're pleased tonight to announce that the Baptist Trinity Lutheran Legacy Foundation is presenting a gift to the district. Here to accept that gift on behalf of the district are Kim Hinkle and Shelby Rubick. So, and I know we have uh, members from the uh, Baptist Trinity Lutheran Legacy Foundation here as well. So if you can all please come forward. Yes, thank you so much for having us here tonight, Mr. Stratton. It's an honor to introduce Beth Radke, the Executive Director of the Baptist Trinity Lutheran Legacy Foundation, um, who's here. Um, uh, giving us a grant for $18,750. And this is really quite remarkable. The, the foundation very much believes in the health care of our public school kids. And they are purchasing, this grant will go to purchase spot vision screeners. And I'm going to need to read this part because I want to get it right. For So... These screeners are going to be used by our health services staff, which, of course, you know is led by Shelby Rebeck. Um, and it, they detect vision abnormalities in our earliest learners who may be nonverbal, may have attention challenges, may be English language learners, or simply may not know their numbers or letters yet. And so we know that early detection is really key um, for determining vision issues and getting our young learners um, up and ready to learn. So from everyone at the foundation, and especially our kids, thank you so much for your generous grant and for all you do for our kids in Kansas City. Thank you so much. And again, thank you to the foundation, uh, to the Baptist Trinity Lutheran Legacy Foundation for that wonderful gift. Well, we've been working very hard on developing a diversity and inclusion plan in the school district. Tonight, you're going to get about a two-minute overview of where we're at in our thinking on that process. And then later uh, this year, we'll have a more detailed report that will involve discussion. Uh, but for tonight, you're just getting a quick overview, a kind of a progress update, if you will, of where we're at in that process. And so coming forward tonight to share that is John McKinney and Linda Seek, who have been working on the plan. Good evening, board members. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Uh, and thank you for allowing us to share a very brief summary of our work around diversity and inclusion. As Dr. Grumman shared at a recent board meeting, there is an academic achievement gap between our white and Asian students and our African-American, Hispanic, and Latino students. 
As the 1819 school year began, Dr. Fulton challenged my department to investigate and seek to better understand the causes of the achievement gap and to research sustainable, system-wide methods toward addressing it. Shawnee Mission School District NEA President Linda Seek and I have spent the last several months researching internal and external data, attending workshops and lectures on conventional and alternative explanations for the achievement gap, and meeting with and learning from students, staff members, and stakeholders from across this district and beyond, all with an eye toward understanding the strong correlation between race, class, and student achievement. While addressing the achievement gap is complex, our research did reveal several key strategies that we believe are within our control, and Mrs. Seek is going to share those with you now. So uh, John and I reviewed a great deal of research already out there this fall, and um, we found some commonalities amongst the empirical research on school-based strategies to close the achievement gap and to improve learning for all students. So I'm going to just share some of those key findings with you. First of all, in order to reduce achievement gaps, um, this requires the coordination among administrators, teachers, parents, and students. Research shows that schools that have the least disparity in achievement promote school, school cultures of high expectations coupled with appropriate academic supports for all students and strong student-teacher relationships. Studies also revealed the importance of ongoing cultural competency training for all staff in order to provide a foundation for engaging diverse cultural and linguistic experiences in the classroom and in the school. In order for educators to become more culturally competent, we must understand not only our own culture, but others' cultures and the role of culture in education. We must take responsibility for learning about students' cultures and communities. We must use students' cultures as a basis for learning and reshape the curriculum in order to reflect students' diversity. Research also finds that family involvement in students' education reduces not only learning gaps, it's also, also positively associated with higher student achievement, better attendance and behavior, increased graduation and co college enrollment date, dates, um, and it's critical that districts actively and engage actively engage and support families by building trusting, collaborative relationships among teachers, families, and community members, and by respecting, recognizing, respecting, and addressing families' needs, as well as class and cultural differences. I realize this is a very brief summary of our work, um, but I want to share our next steps, and that are those are to disaggregate and analyze answers from diversity-related questions that are embedded within the strategic planning survey. This information will help us prioritize specific areas of concern and let us know specifically where additional training and programming is needed. And also to share our insights and work with the strategic planning, steering, and action committees. The goal is to bring an updated professional development plan to the board by the end of this school year and begin implementation in the 1920 school year. Thank you. 
Again, I want to thank you for your work and uh, you know the emphasis here is on we have the responsibility as a school district to make sure that all of our staff are trained in ways that were effective with every child. So this is very much about the staff component trying to answer the question what does research say that we should be doing to ensure that we have equity and access in our schools. So this is a part of that a part of that process. So thank you for your work. Appreciate that. And finally, uh, give a quick strategic plan update. Um, there's been a request to, uh, uh, we've heard this from a number of people, you know, they're excited about what's going to happen with strategic planning, but they want to know more. And so one of the things that uh, we've done here very recently is we put a video together. In fact, two videos. A short video that can go out off on a, through a Twitter feed, that's what you're going to see tonight. And a longer video that can go on our website that gives more details, such as when, when meetings are planned and so on. I will say uh, as a quick update to strategic planning that uh, we're making progress on, on getting names for the steering committee. We're, in fact, we're getting lots of names, which is good. We'll, we'll have far more names submitted than we can have members. But as we remind people, while there are 30 people on the steering committee, we also have action planning teams and we have site council work as well. So there's plenty of work to be done. Uh, we're gearing up for our event uh, the beginning of Feb February where we have all the site councils come in and then the end of February is when the steering committee does their work. So progress is being made and I'll have another update at our next board meeting. But for now, we're just gonna show you the quick video that will go out tonight. Hi, I'm Mike Fulton and I have the privilege of serving as superintendent of the Shawnee Mission School District. I want to take a few minutes to share with you an update about some important work we're about to engage in as a school community, the updating of our strategic plan. Helping me share this message are the first graders from Crestview Elementary School. Thanks guys for being here. This is the class of 2030. That's hard to imagine. 2030 is just 11 years away. In our fast-changing world, it's difficult to fully envision what the world will look like when they graduate from high school. Yet, it is our community's responsibility to ensure that they have the foundation that they need for their life's journey. We care about our students and their success. That deep sense of caring is core to our mission of ensuring every child graduates from the Shawnee Mission School District ready for personal life success. To follow through on that commitment, we need a strategic plan that provides a clear North Star for the path ahead. A plan designed and implemented with meaningful community involvement. A plan that works from our strengths and traditions to make the Shawnee Mission School District an even better place for children to learn, grow, and be prepared for life's opportunities. Key to the success of our strategic planning will be broad participation by a diverse cross-section of the Shawnee Mission community. There will be many opportunities for individuals to participate through surveys and online discussions, the steering committee, action teams, and site councils at each school. I want to take this opportunity to encourage you to join with us in creating a strategic plan that meets the needs of all our district students and prepares them for their future. Throughout this process, we pledge to share our progress and strategies regularly through a variety of communications on our website, at board meetings, and strategic plan email updates. 
always inviting our community's input and feedback. If you're interested in participating in the strategic planning process, talk with the principal of your school or send a note to Terry Wintering, clerk for the Board of Education. We're excited about beginning the strategic planning work, which will allow us to determine the outcomes we want for our students and guide our work into the future. Thank you. So I just want to give kudos to the first graders. Four takes they went through. That's really hard, but they were awesome. So uh, thanks to them for uh, helping me put the message together. That's the end of my report. All right, thank you very much. Uh, a report chock full of great information and uh, updates and accolades. Thank you. <clears throat> to add to that last one there, uh, as Dr. Fulton uh, shared with us there in one of the slides, there will be 30 members that comprise that Strategic Planning Steering Committee, and uh, we'd like to announce the first two, and that would be the representatives from our Board of Education. So Reverend Laura Guy and Dr. Mary Sinclair, thank you for serving as our representatives to the process. We look forward to having your engagement and uh, your leadership as we move through this very important next stage. Thank you. And with that, we move on to item 2.02, which is uh, board reports, and uh, I'll turn to Reverend Guy, any update on SMAC PTA? We met last Monday night and we were joined by Dr. Fulton and Dr. Atha. And uh, just a great opportunity for Dr. Fulton to speak with SMAC PTA about the strategic planning process so they could ask questions and um, just get the update on where we were in that process and how that will uh, work moving forward. And then we had a, a conversation about the clothing closet that's run by SMAC PTA that's a great resource for our whole community, the whole Shawnee Mission community. Um, unfortunately, because we had to move the Early Learning Center uh, quickly in December, um, it, it upset some of the plans that were in place for the clothing closet, but there were uh, Apologies given and accepted, and um, I think partnerships moving forward. Dr. Atha was going to meet with some of the SMAC representatives, do a tour of the building, and together work on some long-range planning so that everybody knows where that resource is going to be housed and um, can move forward. So I thought it was a very productive conversation and um, lots of great information, and that's my report. Great. Thank you. And uh, from the foundation, Mrs. Owsley. Um, so the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation has an Excellence in Education grant program for educators to apply for, and the deadline for that is this coming Thursday at 4 o'clock. Um, you can go to their website, and under the Educator tab, you can find the full application packet, and they want to give people money. So now is the opportunity to ask for it. Um, okay. And I think that is all from the Education Foundation. All right. Thank you. Uh, KASB Board of Directors, Mrs. Zila. Yes, uh, we have a Board of Directors meeting coming up this Thursday. Prior to that, on Wednesday, we have an advocacy day um, in Topeka where we can have some speakers that are coming to us. I believe the, the newly um, sworn in Lieutenant Governor is going to be there to speak with us that day as well as um, all the KASB staff and stuff. So that will be a, a very informative, I think, and we can get some time on at the Capitol to talk with our legislators that day on Wednesday as well. And I think a couple other board members are going to be attending that. So that will be that will be a good day. We'll divide and conquer and chat with people that day. Great. Thank you. And Dr. Sinclair on the legislative piece. 
N not much to add to that. I okay. think the advocacy in action is really kind of the KASB legislative team's effort to really gear up for the session. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Move on to constituent services and uh, Mrs. Goodburn. I don't have a whole lot of it. We did meet last week, but at this point, not really um, much of an update. So we just continue to discuss and talk about different things. And so I'll have an update hopefully soon. Okay, thank you. And um, Mrs. Zila, professional services, is there an update? Yes, um, per our conversation at the last board meeting, you know, where we were thinking to kind of invert the um, seeking out an internal counsel before we add a external counsel as needed. So we are in that process now of kind of determining um, a job description and that sort of thing for internal counsel. No, we, uh, once we are able to uh, finalize the job description, then we should be in a good shape to go out and advertise for in-house counsel. And as a reminder in our cost analysis, we're able to do that in a cost neutral way and perhaps even saving money. Uh, because we'll take the money that we're currently spending on outside attorneys and use that, that money, that resource, to pay for in-house counsel. So that's, that's good. Great. Thank you. And thank you for your reports. Uh, with that, we'll move on to item 2.03, which is public comment. Mr. Woodring, no public comment. Then I'm going to use this as an opportunity to ask about any student guests that might be here, say working on a class or working on a merit badge or any other scout activity. <laughs> Anybody want to raise their hand because they're here as uh, part of a program or a class? Great. What are you guys working on? Um, Great. Well, welcome. And what schools do you attend? All right. Thank you for being here. And anyone else from any other classes? I see some in the back there. Yes. Great. And what school do you attend? Great. Welcome. Anyone else working on some school classwork? You know, here we are at the beginning of the semester. Typically, the high school students don't wander until late in the semester to, uh, to get that taken care of. But these young fellows are, are way ahead of it. Thank you for being here. We appreciate your attendance tonight. Um, and with that, we move on to um, our 3.01, which is the program presentation, Dr. Fulton. And I'm going to turn over to Dr. Atha. We have some uh, good information to share related to key student success indicators. Dr. Atha. Mr. Stratton, uh, Dr. Fulton, members of the Board of Education, good evening. Uh, Dr. Ed Strike, Chief of Student Services, has provided you a comprehensive program evaluation report focused on a research-based student response, on research-based student uh, indicators that lead to student success. In his brief presentation this evening, uh, he will give you an overview of those indicators and provide some specific district data. Please do not hesitate to ask questions regarding the presentation and or his report. Thank you, Dr. Fulton, Dr. Southwick, Dr. Atha, Mr. Stratton, members of the Board of Education for providing us the opportunity to share with you a little bit of our overview of our student responsibility and success indicators. Uh, this data that we are presenting serves as a baseline for our district's uh, snapshot because we've not looked at this previously under this lens. And I want to also go on to say this could not have been possible without Dr. Grumman, Richard Kramer, and uh, John McKinney trying to help me pull this data together because obviously there's quite a bit of information to try to look at. 
One of our district's primary goals is to support student well-being and participation, fostering increases in student achievement. There have been numerous studies nationally that have tried to determine student responsibility indicators that are most predictive of student success. These are the eight that more commonly come up across the studies. Obviously, the first one is attendance, and you're going to notice this is the 2000 fall 2018 data. It's comparing to the state of Kansas versus Shawnee Mission. In the first glance, you're going to say, wow, we're less than the state. Need to, this is not an excuse. This is just a statement of reality. We are standardizing our protocol for attendance. In the past, we would count a student absent for one hour, and it might be reflected as a half a day of absence. That has been standardized. We should see, we're believing, a significant increase in our attendance data for the 2018-19 year when we come back to present this information. But if students aren't in school, they can't learn. So it's, ultra, it's paramount that we have students engaged in their learning process and attending school. So attendance is paramount, and students that have less than 90% are at risk according to national research. In terms of discipline, these discipline incidents are pulled from our Skyward Student Information System, and these are, for the most part, short-term short uh, cascade of consequences. So to give you an idea of what this information does, it tries to show you the percentage of students by grade level, and it tries to show you the, uh, what these incidents basically entail. The more detailed report kind of explains that. But to give you an idea of an incident, if a teacher enters a discipline referral per se, and it's not significant enough to go to the office, and it's something they're just recording and they're going to hold the student after class or make a parent call, that's going to be recorded. And so those incidents are reflected within that. Not only is that incident reflected, but if it was a more significant incident, the teacher might enter an incident, and the administrator then would have a, the same incident, but it would be entered again. So our numbers had not been consistent in past years, and so that's why we're showing you the fall 2018 data at this time, because we are trying to uh, standardize that. The other thing that people need to realize is an incident doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have to have a negative consequence. It could be a positive incident. If I'm a teacher or a principal and I want to record something positive, under the current system, that's being entered in the same field, and Dr. Grumman would have to disaggregate that information. If we wanted to have an incident that re was a teacher or a principal wanted to make a uh, referral to a social worker or a counselor, that would be recorded under this discipline. So the incidents themselves that you're seeing and portrayed in the fall 2018 is basically entails all of those factors. In terms of hearings, think discipline is short term. Hearings would be violations, significant violations of board policy that would be referred to Richard Kramer who serves as the district hearing officer and those long-term hearings then are portrayed from 2014-15 school year through uh, first semester of the 2018-19 school year, and you see those numbers portrayed. Now, the negative part is over. 
Let's talk about participation. If we want kids to be engaged and have academic success, one of the critical factors, research is overwhelmingly supporting, we need kids involved in school. Could be extracurricular activity, co-curricular activities, clubs, et cetera. The data that we have before you is basically fall, winter, spring for extracurricular activities. So the information you see provides the 2016-17 through fall of 2018-19 school year for high school participation in the fall. This is winter participation. You say, why is winter smaller? Part of the reason is think the number of people that play on the basketball team versus the number of people that play uh, football. That's part of it. Here's spring participation rates. And here's middle school participation rates for 7 8. And I'm going to say this as honestly as I can because I'm an old coach and I qualify that by old. Athletics and co-curricular participation encourage student relations with staff that go far beyond the playing field. If you want to build relationships with kids, this transcend, transcends what happens on the outside. It transfers to the classroom, it transfers to the school, and it transfers to building a positive school culture that we all want. And if we can empower students to take charge of their own destiny, be it through extracurricular, co-curricular activities, clubs, we're going to have the opportunity to increase student achievement. And it has nothing to do with teaching and learning per se, or curricular maps. It's all about the relationships that we foster with, with children. I'm open to any questions you might have, and I have experts in the back that will bail me out. <laughs> questions? Yes, Mrs. Mack. Um, I'm looking for my notes when I was at um, NSBA this past, last spring, and I can't find it exactly, but it does um, allude to your saying about um, getting kids involved, getting students involved with extracurricular activities. Um, three to six curricul extracurricular activities is kind of the honey spot as far as 3.0 grade average and above. So it's extremely important, um, and I think it's something that I would like to see the district emphasize in the future. But I have two quick things on your charts. When I look at the student discipline hearings, when we see 43, that's only for the fall semester. Is that correct? Yes. So, you know, we're kind of on track to maybe have an increase in that. Yes. I just wanted to make sure that I was reading that correctly. And the second thing is, is on the attendance data, when do you think we would have um, a clearer picture of that? Because I wanted to share, and I've, I've shared this um, with administration before, I've heard um, a great concern among teachers about attendance of students. Again, exactly what you said, I've heard teachers tell me, if they're not in the classroom, we can't teach them. And then, of course, they have to do the follow-up work to make sure that they get the work done, and it, the cycle is endless. So um, when will we have a more clear picture of attendance for our students? Okay, first of all, we'll have what we have down in the fall. The spring will compile. The, the critical piece is, how do we get to a point, I'm, I'm going to take you down a bird walk maybe, but... How do we do attendance in the, in the moment? You don't wait 
till the end of the semester and find out if a student's missing school. So how, if a student has chronic absence issues, are we, you know, we have the automated system, so we're contacting the parent, we're sending out information letters to the mm -hmm. families, but how do we refer the social worker or the student to the social worker? How do we refer that student to the counselor so that we can, and the principal and teachers that can help support? How do we work them through the SIT process, the student assistance teams, to intervention teams to try to be able to support the students? We have to catch the students in the moment. We can't wait till the end of the semester to try to. We're just looking at a portrait of, a, of data, but we have to do it in real time. Thank you. Great question. Other questions? Yes, Reverend Guy. Um, on the report that you also submitted tonight, um, on page four of that, there's, there's one um, blaring anomaly. In the East area in 2006, among black students, we had the attendance rate at 51.9%. So could you explain to us where that number comes from? Great question. First thing, cell size, in size. If there's a student population of less than 30, which in this case that would be 2016, 2018 are the two anomalies. I think 2018, Dan will correct me, but I think it was 22 in 2018. So if you have a in size or a, a student population size that is very small, if that's gonna be impacted by a couple, three students that have 20, 30 days of absence, all of a sudden those, that point total or that percentage significantly is negatively impacted. Best example I can try to give is think of the old total points environment. When you start out with zero out of zero as a student, you're again 100% in your class or depending if you think the class is full or empty. But in the first two weeks, there's, and I'm going total and point environment, you have 400 points in the class and the student gets 100 on the, on the assignment it's gonna significantly increase their points because it's, it's one-fifth of the grade when it goes to 20% uh, 20 20 when it goes to 500. But if you have 4,000 points in the, in the uh, total points possible and you get the same 100 points, it's not gonna have the same impact just simply due to the cell size, the sample size. So the anomalies in part are due to the cell size. The other part is the number, the students that would be uh, significant absences are reflected. We did not withdraw them from school. We did not drop them from school. So they're negatively impacting our attendance. Thank you. Um, in general though, the attendance rates for black students are below the other populations. Have we been doing any interventions to this point to try to find out why that is or counteract that? not focused the way we need to focus. That's part of the diversity and inclusion plan, and it needs to be bigger than that. That needs to be part of our student assist or student intervention teams. We have to take and build a program that will allow us to take this baseline data and build a plan. Okay. Great question. Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Yes, Dr. Sinclair, go ahead. I'm sorry, thank you. Um, I have a question and just an observation um, so part of this plan is in looking at these indicators, the attendance, participation, and discipline, is part of that looking at benchmarks for success or is it also to identify students or is that already kind of part of the, yeah. of the MTSS and all that? Other process. Good. First piece is it's baseline data, so we're just okay. compiling that. But 
what we need to be able to do, and we have not done at this point, is to be able to look at uh, ethnicity in terms of participation. Those types of things, uh, Richard Kramer and I and the group have kind of talked about. How do we compile more of that data to try to inform? And how do we try to ensure that students that we do identify, how do we get them involved? How do we you know, start to build those connections? And that has to happen, in my opinion, at least student by student, educator to student, and try to foster that and build. Did I answer I your I think question? so. And so in that sense that um, maybe students' academic performance, whether they might be failing courses or something like that, would not only be an outcome indicator, but would also be an indicator used to identify students who might need support services, which is probably... I guess I would imagine already happening in, yes, in the buildings and that kind yes, of thing. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Great. So, could I also make kind Go of an ahead. observation? Uh, when I think about um, kind of those the indicators that that were presented tonight, the attendance, participation, and discipline. Um, one of the things I think about when I think about student engagement and success and kind of dropout prevention kinds of things, um, I like that we're looking at those alterable variables, those that we as a school community have the capacity to change and make a difference in. Um, I also like that we're kind of thinking about these in terms of what are those protective factors, how do we get kids kind of engaging um, in school participating in, a, in some of those programs and things that serves as a protective factor for students. If they're connected in some way to school, that helps them be successful. And the other piece I really like is that it's not only just looking at students, although it's described as students, the way some of these, these indicators are being measured reflects the responsibility not only of the students but of the schools and of the families. So when we think about discipline, we're also talking about what policies and practices we as a school community are, are how we are interacting with students that would lead them to, um, that would maybe help inform our um, data a bit, particularly as we're disaggregating data across those status indicators that we can't change, um, free and reduced lunch or um, ethnicity. So I, I appreciate the way that we're approaching this and um, I think in the third slide of this presentation, it really kind of helps to identify that what can we do, looking at engaging families, things like transportation, addressing health needs, kind of focusing on the right data. That to me is okay. speaking to not just the students and their role and influence in their success, but the family's role, the school's role, and how we can work together. I think that's very important, so thank you. Thank you. Mrs. Housley. Yeah, it looks like on the... The chart, the fourth slide, the chart for the discipline rates, or maybe it's the fifth slide, um, on the discipline hearings. So they've, the number of discipline hearings have doubled in a four-year period of time. Are we looking at context for that, or are we are we just looking at the numbers here? Do we have an idea of what? What's, what's the context for the doubling of the disciplinarying rates over the last four years? Like, do we have an idea for that? We know it by board policy, what the violations are, but what we're starting to see at the elementary level and progressing through, the number of incidents, uh, significant incidents have increased. What do we have to do? Is it, What kind of protective factors do we need to try to put in place and supports that we need to put in place to try to prevent those students from getting to the level where it becomes a hearing? And we have to build a plan for that. And, and it looks like we've broken down the data on, that, on the attendance rates for the various subclasses. 
of students, but it doesn't look like there's a chart that includes the breakdown for subclasses for discipline rates. Um, and I, I believe that ProPublica looked at all of the school districts like in the country, and if you pull up our district, we are disciplining, it looks like, based on that data, which was not recent, so this is from maybe a year or so or two years ago, um, that we were disciplining minority students at a higher rate than what they participate in the population. Um, are we looking at that data to see where we're at with that and the context for that? Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you only because I don't want to misstate it. Okay. Uh, the U.S. Department of Education on, released two reports highlighting statistics from the 2015-16 uh, school years, civil rights data collection on school safety and discipline. That was the most recent that I could identify. For example, schools suspended 2.7 million students out of school during the 2015-16 school year. Roughly 100,000 fewer suspended than the 2013-14 school year. Yet black boys still made up 25% of all students suspended out of school at least once in the 2015-16 school year. That's nationally. Black girls accounted for another 14% of the students that were suspended at least one day. Even though each of these students only... Or each of these groups only accounted for 8% of all students that made up the study. So our percentages are comparable to the national, but it is still significantly disparaged. And that trend has been the same way for the last five years from what this research study indicated. And we do have to do something. Mm -hmm. Definitely an area for improvement there. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. The board members, Mrs. Mack. I just wanted to follow up real quickly. Um, I did find my notes, and I just wanted to share to affirm some of the things you said, but some of the areas that we can we can also maybe do better on as we're talking about right now. It was a great to greater how to get how to get best schools even better. And one of the things he said was um, the intervention for absences and tardies should be immediate. Um, so I'm really thankful that you you were looking at that. Um, recess for younger kids is strongly associated with improved academic and discipline, um, and so don't take away recess from kids. Um, again, also, um, kids that aren't making grades should not necessarily be kicked off the team because they need that social interaction. But here's something that I think Reverend Guy would appreciate, especially since we've, she's ha we've had this conversation, is that one of the great things that a school district can do is start the school day after 8.30 a.m., Attendance goes up, tardiness goes down, car crashes go down, achievement goes up. Um, in a cost analysis, um, it can be cost neutral. I don't know what it would do with our bus situation, but I do think it's, I'm, I'm hopeful that it's something our district will look at. 740 is awfully early to start high school classes, I'm sorry. Um, but I, I love it that we are now taking risks publicly because you're not going to improve unless you take public risks. Um, it said zero to two extracurriculars mean a low GPA. Three to nine, again, the GPA is 3.0 or higher. And the keys to student engagement were competence, respect, efficacy, choice, and hope, because 90% of the time, he said, students lead lives of crushing boredom. So to get our students engaged in all these areas, in specific groups as well, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad we are looking at these numbers and talking about this in a very frank manner. Yes, Reverend Guy. 
Sorry, I have one more question about um, the chart on page four of the report. Um, and I appreciate all this data. I think it's very mm -hmm. helpful. Again, I agree that talking about this in a frank and open way, um, we have to identify where the problems are so we can fix them. Um, but I just want to ask a question about the SPED numbers. I'm assuming that the gifted students are a part of those SPED numbers. Um, is that correct? Yeah, as far as I would understand, yes. Oh, yeah. it's not? Oh, good. Yeah, Thanks. Typically, special ed excludes. Really? In, in, these kind of in these kinds of reports. Okay, well, that's a good piece of information. Thank you for that. The board members. Yes, Mrs. Goodburn. So go over one more time why the state's attendance rate is higher than ours. Are you, are you saying basically it's a different way of reporting that our Skyward system reports it or something we did ourselves to ourselves and the state does a different level of? No. It's the, we did to ourselves is okay. the way I would interpret it. All right, that's it. what I thought you said. So, okay. Good question. Other questions? Yes, Dr. Fulton. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you for all the great questions, and there'll be more reports to come. This is the type of work that we need to engage in. I want to thank the team that put this report together. You did a great job. I know that for several years, there's been a great deal of work in trying to develop a system where we can collect data that's meaningful and report it out, then use it to help make improvements in the system. This year is... a really about looking carefully at our data, asking what does, what does research say is important to pay attention to, but also making sure that our data are clean. Attendance is a great example. We have to have comparable data from one year to the next mm -hmm. to know if we're getting better. And if we don't have comparable data, then the information is wonderful, but you really can't do much with it from a research standpoint. And so we're working really hard to get good benchmark data in place this year so that in the years ahead, we can ask the question, are we getting better? If yes, great. Why? If we're not, okay, that's fine too. Why? So that we can really begin to engage in, in actions and behaviors that get to the kind of results that we know make a difference for all of our kids. So uh, I think some of the data that uh, was referred to tonight, page four is an example, uh, is, a, is a good representation of data that's still shifting a little bit in the way in which it's both collected and reported. The other thing that we will have to do in our data, and this kind of goes back to the discipline data, in the disparity in discipline data is, is that when your ends get really low, uh, it begins to have uh, an effect on either false positives that were doing great or, or false negatives. If you have 10 students and two of them have attendance rates at 20 to 30% and everybody else is at 90% and you compare them to another group of 10 students where everybody's at 80 or 90%, that really impacts the mean. So those are the sorts of things where we have to keep digging deeper, to kind of set our ends where it makes sense to do that comparison so that we're not uh, using data in ways that are ineffective in the continuous improvement process. So, but, but kudos to the group for their work. Thank you. Other questions? Thank you very much, Dr. Strike. We appreciate it. Thank you.
With that, we'll move on to uh, item 3.02, which is a continuation of a discussion that we had at our last board meeting regarding uh, the creation and structure for committee and advisory boards within uh, the Shannon Mission School District. <clears throat> Since we last met, we had a, a good discussion on, on definition. A quick reminder that we defined three words, uh, groups, committees, and task forces. And so we began to decide that those were the three words that we would would, would look to stay with as we continue to define the, uh, the work of our, of our district. Since that conversation, we met with Dr. Fulton and had a conversation regarding some of the additional structures that would be in place. And so I've provided those in the agenda to you. I won't read them verbatim, but I'll give you some summary of each of those. The superintendent advisory groups, this first one would be um, completely uh, assembled and led by the superintendent. And this group would be um, at the advice of, or providing advice and guidance and input to the, the superintendent. An example of that is the PTA advisory group is already up and running. And so it's, it's assembling groups that would provide information directly to the superintendent on an ongoing basis. The next two are, are district-wide, and, and that would be a district committees and district task forces. And to differentiate between those two, um, a committee would be an ongoing structure versus a task force would be a, a specific assigned task. They'd be assembled, they'd know their work, and then they would um, complete their work at a designated time. Examples of a district committee, which we don't have any currently up and running, might be in the areas of finance or facilities, as an example. These would be both board members and, and patrons involved, and we can talk about st structure on that a little, little later. The, the district task forces we've been using more regularly within Shawnee Mission. Um, we have uh, used boundary reviews in the past like we've talked about last time. We currently are soliciting folks for our digital learning um, task force. So that is a, a good example of that structure that we're, we're seeking folks to be a part of right now. And then strategic planning. So although strategic planning, we're calling it a, 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 the strategic planning committee, it's really going to structure more as a task force simply because it's going to be um, it's going to be assembled, it's going to be given a task, and then it will uh, discontinue its work at the end. The last two are, are school board only, and again, there's work that just needs to be done by the school board, and so that would be school board committees and school board task forces. A quick review of those would be one on a more permanent basis, would be something like policy review and legislative, and then a task force would be something like we've been using currently with constituent services, professional service, and the like. I'm going to stop right there and... Um, see what your thoughts are about these, uh, these five different entities and the descriptors on each of these thoughts, questions, concerns. They make sense. Oh. Go ahead. Dr. They make Sinclair. sense to me. Okay. Yes, Ms. Owsley. <laughs> so when we were going over all of this, I, I told you that my brain was going numb because there was so many <laughs> details, but I'm glad that it's been wordsmithed so that it's very clear what each role is for each of the various groups. Um, because that is not something that I enjoy doing with regards to I just make it a group and make them do things. So I appreciate all the effort that you put into that for to the specificity to make sure they function appropriately. Right. Thank you. And one of the keys to this is, is for it to be clear at the outset so then we do engage the community when their willingness to step forward and give us their volunteer time. They're, they know what they're being asked and for how long. Yeah, that's a really good <laughs> so, point. Yes, Mrs. Mack. Um, I just, um, I, I love the clarity as well, but I wanted to ask um, <coughs> what is the next step and will this have an impact on our current policies? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, the only policy that we currently have in place is, uh, I'm doing this from memory, but I believe it's BBC, uh, British Broadcasting. 
Um, B, no, that's how I remember it. BBC is our current, and it does not speak in any level of this kind of detail. So that there will be no action tonight. In a future meeting, maybe even our next one, we would begin to entertain a policy revision that would reflect this so that these would be included. Thank you. Thank you. Other questions, thoughts, observations? All right, well, thank you for that. Uh, then our next meeting, we will uh, begin to bring forward some policy revision that we can entertain in order to put it into our policy manual. And at that point, we can begin to talk about how these, org these groups, our advisory committees, um, task forces, how they are selected and, and, and what they'll be charged with. And then we can begin to, begin to build what I'll call like an org chart of these organizations so that we know what their function is. And uh, with that, we'll move on to item 4.01, which is our uh, consent agenda. I'll first ask, are there any board, uh, any board member have any items they'd like removed from tonight's consent agenda? I would move approval of the consent agenda. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving tonight's consent agenda, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, say nay. That passes 7-0. And with that, we move on to... Area 5.01 and uh, se several action items. Dr. Fulton, the first one about uh, Shun Mission West. Yes, and I'm going to have Dr. Southwick uh, address that one. Yeah, I'll speak real quickly. Um, we've had some conversation over the last several months with respect to some of the ADA issues that we have at Shun Mission West High School. Uh, we've known they've been there. Uh, recently, we completed. Um, a renovation of the media center there and a part of when we went through the final inspection a part of uh, the work with uh, Overland Park was they wanted to do 10% ADA work in the media center and we said there's really not 10% of the work that needs to be done but uh, Mr. Robinson and his staff had identified additional areas in the building prior to that that needed to be addressed and made a commitment that we would do that that's what we're doing. Um, so this would handle um, our restrooms, um, some ADA improvements throughout the building, but primarily we have tucked away in part of Shawnee Mission West an elevator that doesn't go to a floor. So we, anytime we have a situation there where we have a student that might have a disability or a staff member or a parent, we have to move that class. So. Um, we're going to address that. And the first part of that is to work with our architects, design a plan to do this work, and we'll be bringing that budget, um, those budget items back to you for approval later for us to start this work as soon as possible. So we're happy to be doing this work and it is part of the bond issue. Okay. Questions about the item, Mr. Dowsley? <clears throat> so this is the drawing of the plans. How long do we anticipate it'll take till the elevator actually goes to the the floor that it doesn't go to currently? So what we'll have to do is they'll have to do design work. Those will have to be vetted and approved. We will then take it to bid. Once it's bid, we'll bring the approval back. I think Mr. Robinson is around the corner and might be able to give you at a time when he thinks those bids would come back to you for approval. And then we'd start it right after that. Okay. Mr. Robinson? We should have uh, <laughs> something for your approval in April or May. And then so it won't be quite online by the next academic year, but shortly thereafter. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm sure all of the students at West will appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Other questions on the item? Seeing none, I'll seek a motion to approve this uh, 
this architectural services proposal. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Housley. All those in favor of the approval of the architectural services as presented, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Thank you for that. And we're now moving to item 5.02, and this is a revision to board policy regarding in-district transfers. Dr. Fulton. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, my, my computer has stopped on my, me, yeah, so I gosh. think I can work. Okay, others are having the same problem. So I believe I can work, uh, sure. Mm -hmm. There's nothing like print copy, right? Just in <laughs> case. So uh, we're, we are recommending some relatively minor changes to the transfer policy. If you look under B, uh, there's some changes from assistant to associate superintendent. Uh, that's under two, but also under uh, B3, changing the order of, in which transfer students are selected. Uh, we're gonna, of course, start with siblings. If you have a sibling in, in, the, uh, in the building, then you get priority. We then added next, in-district students of employees will receive second priority consideration, and that's in the transfer process. Then in-district transfers are reviewed uh, for all other transfer requests in the order in which they received. And then finally, remaining transfer requests, and those would be mainly from those that are coming from outside the district, would be considered in the order in which uh, they are received. So siblings, staff, all other in-district uh, a transfer request, and then any other requests, again, mostly out-of-district transfer requests. So, be happy to answer any questions. Yes, Mrs. Zila. So basically, the change of this order is to kind of give staff possibly a little preferential treatment in the transfer of their kids into It does, it helps school. with work-life quality. But again, it's important to note that we have some buildings that are not going to be able to receive any transfers. We know this year, for example, we have several buildings that are that are in that situation. We have other buildings, maybe they'll accept transfers, but there might only be one or two openings at a particular grade level. So there are limitations in the transfer process, and there are a lot of people who take advantage of it. So that's nice that people have choice, and this, this provides them with some options. Uh, not necessarily to every building, but to a number of buildings in our district. The other piece of this is, is that if a student starts in a building, then they would continue not only in that, up through that building, but actually into the attendance area. That keeps them together with their cohort group. Other questions about the pro proposed policy revision? Yes, Zila. I would move approval. Thank you. Second. And thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Any, any additional questions? Oh, Dr. Sinclair, I'm sorry, is the second. Additional questions? I guess, I'm sorry. Yes, Mrs. Mack. I do have one question in the back of my mind. I understand the preferential treatment for siblings. Um, you're gonna not like this question, Dr. Fulton. It's okay. What about um, staff members, siblings? Would they have preference over Regular patrons, or is that? I mean, so it begins. It begins at that point to go into the the order received, but okay. we would go through the decision making matrix. All right. Matrix. Thank you. Thanks for that clarification. But we'll we'll do everything we can right. to get siblings into the same building. Thanks. Questions on the motion that's been moved and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, please say nay. That motion passes seven zero. 
And we now move on to item 5.03, which is an endorsement of the forward OP visioning process. You know, Overland Park has done a wonderful, uh, wonderful job of envisioning what their future looks like. In fact, we're, we're blessed with a lot of municipalities who really think forward. Overland Park has asked for uh, an endorsement of their plan, and we're proud to do so. So I'm recommending that we do so this evening. Uh, on behalf of the Shawnee Mission Board of Education. Thank you. Questions on the item? Seeing none, I'll seek a motion to approve the endorsement. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of approving the endorsement, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. With that, we move on to item six, which is board comments. Comments from board members tonight. Yes, Mrs. Mack. Bring it on. Um, Reverend Guy, uh, Mrs. Zila, and myself attended the Golden Globes Award last Friday. It was awesome at Shawano Elementary, um, where they celebrated students that had done um, that had increased um, their scores, and it was terrific. Uh, Mr. Flora and Ms. Howard, the um, principals in the building. Um, took one for the team. Doc, Mr. Flora took several. He got pie. He got Sunday. He got sprinkles. He got cherries. It was amazing. But these students really did a terrific job, and the celebration was for them. The reason why I bring it up is um, today I was doing my MVP um, where, where I where I meet with a student at Broken Arrow, and when I was at Shawano as well, there is a great need in our district still for MVPs. Um, to meet with students one-on-one, -on -one. and I want to thank Dr. McKinney and the rest of the um, district who have streamlined the process to become an MVP. The need is not going away, and teachers have told me consistently that the way they can truly help students is with one-on-one -on -one help. You don't have to have any anything but a heart for kids to listen to them and talk with them and meet with them and build a relationship. So I just want to encourage people to continue to encourage others to volunteer within our district to be with students on a one-on-one -on -one basis because it's needed. Every kid counts. I'll second that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. Yeah. Anyone else? Board comments? Yes, Mrs. Owsley. Um, I just wanted to thank uh, Dr. Fulton and his team for doing the work on the transfer policy. Um, I know that that was a work-life balance issue that had been raised by a lot of educators, and so I'm happy that we had a chance to work on that tonight. And then um, I, I'm just in very good mood today. What a great day, and what a fun fun way to end it tonight with the Reflections Awards. And um, so I just I hope everyone else is enjoying the depths up next. I have one more yes, shout-out. Sure. One Mrs. more shout-out. And that's to our O&M people with Snowmageddon happening oh, here over the weekend. <laughs> you know, the, our schools were cleared. The buses could run. I mean, they did an amazing job. That was a lot of snow to move, as anybody knows that was out there shoveling it. So uh, power outages, that's something that's out of our control completely. <coughs> but anyway, just kudos to them, because I know they were there at the crack of dawn in the dark, probably, and working on those those roads and parking lots for, for our kids to get safely to school. So thank you to them. Yeah, do we have any updates on our, our schools that were closed? Are they? Do we have any updates? As of this moment, so far <laughs> as we know, they all have electricity. Oh, really? Last night oh, and this morning was uh, quite a lot of fun for all of us. As, uh, again, 
great shout out, by the way, as, <laughs> as we were trying to determine who had electricity, who didn't, and how quickly could we get buildings heated if they were if they didn't have electricity. And so it, it's always hard. You call out the, off the night before knowing that a half an hour later the electricity might go on, mm -hmm. which might have happened. Uh, but that's the way it goes in these kind of, kind of events. And I know in our case, we always think about student safety first. And if in doubt, then do what's right, safe for kids. And so we, we did that. But the team did a great job. So far, as I know, I think we're in good shape. And if Bob has more information, he can... Oh, you're absolutely right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yes, Mrs. Goodburn. Um, I have more information about the, the grant that we received tonight from Baptist Trinity Lutheran Legacy Foundation. Um, we were actually one of 11 school districts that are getting money. Um, the, the foundations actually this year has given $200,000 to, to, um, to area schools. And so the areas that the foundation focuses on are health assessment tools, which we took advantage of but also mental health and then asthma supplies. Um, I know so much because I actually sit on the board. And, um, and we've been doing this for two years now. And last year, we were able to grant out about $112,000 to six school districts. Shawnee Mission was not included in the, the initial um, grant cycle. Um, and we typically, the, the board looks at um, free and reduced lunch count. And so last year, it was KCK, Kansas City, Missouri, Grandview, Hickman Mills, um, I'm, I'm not going to get them all, but anyway, so we had three large school districts and three small school districts that we granted, and we allowed the school districts actually to um, choose what, and, and actually Shelby, when we were first doing this um, a couple years ago, I met with Shelby and Rick, I believe, and they were the ones that came up, helped us kind of define our categories, because we were like, we want to give money to schools, it's part of the mission of Baptist Trinity Lutheran Legacy Foundation wanted to give money out to schools, but we don't know exactly where they need it, where the nurses and the, the school district personnel needed it. So I just appreciate them sitting down with us you know, a long time ago to be able to figure that out. But we're really proud, 11 school districts this year, six large school districts, including Olathe Shawing Mission, North Kansas City, and then the three from last year, Independence, Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. And then smaller school districts, Turner, um, Hickman Mills, I hope I can get them all, Grandview, um, and, and uh, uh, Center, I think. I'm missing one in there, but anyway, you get the hint. <laughs> and so it's, uh, hopefully it'll continue. Um, it's the legacy of the two, um, actually, hospitals, Baptist and Trinity, which came together. And these are the foundations that were created when HCA bought the hospital systems. The foundations had to spin off on their own. And so this is where that, that connection is coming from. So... Um, my connection with them came actually through the Chiefs a long time ago. But anyway, so uh, it's really exciting. It's exciting because, um, you know, school districts are getting assessment tools for their kids, asthma supplies. Sometimes they're getting a little bit of everything. Mental health, we're helping a lot of school districts out with their training that they're doing with mental health. So it's super exciting. And so it's like 312500 just in the last two years that we're infusing into the community, into these schools. So it's exciting. So thank you. And do but the mental health seminar tomorrow night is at, at, at North. Is at North, yeah. yeah do you I know where at North? I think it's in the auditorium, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I think it's yeah. I have one yes, comment Zilla, to segue sure. on to sure. what Mrs. Goodburn was saying there about this device that they have. I mean I've I've known somebody from the Lions Club and the Lions have been kind of they have like one device that they take around all the schools. It takes like 
like a second for these kids because the kids don't have attention span. They were talking about special ed kids. I mean, it can diagnose all of these kids because it is so instantaneous and it can tell you so much about their vision needs, possible vision needs. So I am thrilled that, that we have I don't know how many devices, one device, it's, you know, whatever it is. So. They're, they're super expensive, but I believe I we're getting three, yeah. Oh, so my gosh. For the 18000 they're around six or $7,000 a piece. It is huge. If a child can't see, they can't learn. So um, I think that will just be a huge asset to the district. So I should have said that while the foundation folks were here. But anyway, thanks to Bethany. Trinity. Thanks, Sarah. Okay. Any other comments? Yes, Dr. Just Sinclair. One last PR piece. I believe there's an open house tomorrow night here from 5.30 to 7.30 for the signature program, so be sure and let um, our secondary families know. They can come and do a tour. And I strongly encourage, would strongly encourage that. I'll wrap up the board comments with a continuation of a thank you to our board members for their board service and a couple of particulars. Um, <coughs> We have been very engaged not only in the work of this district, but also advocating other levels of, of uh, governance across the state and working very hard on our state platform. Last week we had our uh, delegation from the, the, the legislature here for a breakfast. And uh, so I was very, very impressed that we had um, a high, high percentage of our legislators that represent us in the Kansas legislature here for a meeting with our board. And uh, many of the board members were there for that. And then the following day, I believe it was, there was a, a reception with, uh, with leaders from around the county and all the legislators. And I turned to my board members to say thank you because all seven of our board was in attendance at that reception. And uh, I think we were the only board or only entity there with the entire elected body there. So thank you for that. It shows the level of engagement that we're all doing, not only in our role here, but beyond what we're asked to do, and that is to advocate on behalf of the education for kids. I say thank you. With that, we'll seek a motion to go into executive session. And a reminder before we do that, that our next board meeting is January 28th. And uh, when we come out of executive session, we actually have two items, but we will not be conducting any business after that. With that, Mrs. Owsley. So I move we go into executive session after a five-minute break um, to discuss litigation with our legal counsel pursuant to the exception for matters which would be deemed privilege in the attorney-client relationship under COMA and that the board will reconvene in the boardroom um, after that 20-minute session at 745. Second for that motion, please. Second. Thank you, Ms. Zila. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Thank you for being here. Good night. Good night.